0: Our second lesson is taken from the Gospel according to John, chapter 12, beginning our reading at verse 20. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. The same came therefore to Philip, which was a Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. Philip cometh and telleth Andrew... And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my Father honor. Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And the people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. Others said an angel spake to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world, and now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. When I see those words, sir, we would see Jesus and they're painted here in back of this pulpit and they're painted over the door in my study. I remember very clearly the story of a young minister who had graduated from a theological seminary, had embraced many of the new critical theories regarding the scriptures and had rejected much of the miracles of Jesus. At one particular Easter time, he did not proclaim the risen Christ, but instead he gave a discourse on current philosophical trends. A lovely lady in the congregation who was deep in the things of God slipped to the pulpit after the church had dismissed and placed a note on the Bible that said simply what the Greeks said when they came to Philip, Sir, we would see Jesus. When the minister found that note, his own heart was smitten because he realized that he had not held Christ forward to his people, nor had he urged them toward discipleship. And so he began to recount what he had done and to pray again about his own faith and devotion. And he came back to the pulpit and he began to preach Christ and him crucified and risen from the dead and to urge people to faith in him. Then he came back to the pulpit a Sunday or two later and the same old lady had slipped a note again to the pulpit and it said then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. There is a message in that for all of us who preach. Preaching has been discounted a great deal by people today. We are prone to look down upon it but we do not follow in the train of the New Testament when we take this course. God had only one son, and he was a preacher. Jesus came preaching. He came proclaiming as a herald the word of God. And there was in that word great power. The words which I read in your hearing a moment ago from the 12th chapter of John Tell us how that six days before the Passover, six days before Jesus was betrayed by Judas, he had been anointed by Mary, the brother of uh, the sister of of, of Lazarus. Mary had anointed his feet with a precious ointment, thinking of the fact that he would soon be the suffering Savior. Judas, with his carping, unspiritual eye, criticized him. Why was this waste made? Why was not this ointment sold and the proceeds given to the poor? This, John tells us, he said not because he cared for the poor, but because he was pilfering money from the treasury himself. He had no spiritual eye, he had no spiritual ear every time jesus preached concerning money i think he directed his preaching toward judas in the hopes that he would reform you cannot be too spiritual you cannot love jesus too much i hear people say oh i don't know about all this total commitment there is no other kind if you're going to follow in the steps of the new testament you may invent your own religion But if you follow in the steps of the New Testament, look what Jesus says. He said, leave this woman alone. She has anointed me for my burial. And then the very next day he comes into Jerusalem and the children run and they throw the palm branches in his way. And they cry praises to God because the Messiah has come. And then he goes into the temple to speak and to preach. Now this Messiah will be a suffering Messiah. He will die in order to deliver us from our sins, and there is no deliverance apart from that death. He is teaching and preaching this. Then there come these Greeks. It's a long way from the Acropolis to Calvary. And it's a long way from Calvary to the Acropolis. Here come some Greeks proselytes, God-fearers, who have been converted to faith in Jehovah and believe that one day the Messiah has come. They have heard these rumors about Jesus of Nazareth, and they wonder if this could be he of whom the prophets have spoken. They cannot go into certain precincts of the temple, but they come to Philip because he has a Greek name, and they say to him those words, Sir, we would see Jesus. This is always the question that is being brought to the church. Sir, we would see Jesus. Always it is the responsibility of the church to lift up people to see Jesus and to lift up Jesus so that they can see him. This is the responsibility. Philip went to Andrew, that patron saint of all personal workers, And Andrew and Philip go to Jesus, and they tell him about the Greeks who came. And here Jesus gives that statement, that his hour has come. The hour for which he had been born, that he would go to the cross and die on that cross for our sins. Now Jesus says that that death on that cross is going to be like a kernel of wheat. If you take a kernel of wheat and you do not plant it into the ground, it will not yield fruit. But if you take that grain of wheat and you plant it into the ground and the the good earth has its effect upon it and the husk is broken away from it and the germ of life springs forth from it and it shoots up, then it bears many more grains of wheat. Well, Jesus said this, My life will be like that grain of wheat. I will die. I will die. But from that death I will be resurrected. And from that death there shall be many grains of wheat that shall come forth. He knew that if he were lifted up upon that cross there would be a magnetism that would draw the whole world toward him. What if Jesus had never died on that cross? You wouldn't be here today, and I wouldn't either. But now here is where most of us turn away. You may not have salvation in Jesus Christ apart from your own dying to self in order to live in him. You may not dabble with salvation. You may not go through the cafeteria line and say, I'll take a little comfort of Jesus in case someone dies. I'll take a little help here when I need it for ethics. And I'll take a little help here. That will not work. Jesus says here that those who follow must be willing to die to self or they will never live again to him. That's the preaching of the New Testament. I didn't say this. Jesus said it. And there is no discipleship apart from your willing to deny yourself in order to live in him. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that loses his life for my sake shall find it. Words cannot be plainer than that. We lose our life in him to find it again in a resurrected and new life in him. He is being lifted up and he draws men unto him through that. James Denny, the great Scottish theologian who used to preach the cross of Jesus Christ with such fervor. Denny used to say that he wanted to come into a dead, bored congregation of people and grab a crucifix with Jesus dying on it and scream to the people, God loves you like that how much do you love him how much do you love him now Paul 25 years after Jesus was crucified went into the city of Corinth those of us who have studied the Bible know that Corinth was a cesspool of iniquity and debauchery and evil and sin and pornography a city of some 700,000 people. He had come there from Athens where he had preached at Mars Hill. And he came into the city of Corinth and he took up his task of working with leather and making of tents and going to the synagogue and reasoning how Jesus was the Messiah. And the church was established. He stayed there for 18 months. And then after that 18-month period had ended, Paul went on his missionary journey. And then he received a letter. He received a visitor who told him about troubles back in Corinth. They were told about divisions that existed in the church in Corinth. They were told about immorality. They were told about people who lorded it over each other. And so Paul writes back. And he tells them how he came to them. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with the excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. Lo, this man's brow, like to a title page, foretells the nature of a tragic volume. He trembles, and the whiteness of his cheek is apter than his tongue to tell the nature of his volume. Paul trembled when he preached the gospel of Christ because he knew there were people who would listen and would not believe. And he knew that they would go to hell And be forever separated from God. I'm not up here purveying Christianity simply for its emotional and ethical benefits. I'm here to tell you that without Jesus Christ you are lost. Lost forever. Damned and you will go to hell without him. This is not an elective. We do not preach the wrath of God because we don't believe the wrath of God. And this has caused a whole, effeminate, fluffy type of Christianity that has no sinew, nor muscle, nor dedication to it. It's a church that exists for the church's sake, not for the glory of Jesus' sake, and that will not work. I believe in the love of God, and I preach the love of God. But it can only be rightly preached when it is placed against the wrath of God which has come for sin. I'll tell you this, if there was no hell, Jesus would never have died on the cross. God wouldn't have let that happen. It never would have happened, except that you take sin seriously. The same people who take a light view of sin, take a light view of discipleship, they take a light view of the cross of Jesus Christ, and a light view of everything else because they do not want his lordship over their life. Now Paul knew that in the preaching of this word there would be those who would accept it and those who would reject it. Just as there are here this morning, people who will not believe what I'm saying. There are people who will believe it. It has a saving, quickening effect for those who believe and it has an effect of judgment on those who reject it and refuse it. The word of God has power. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He spoke the worlds into existence. There is power in the word of God preached. Next Thursday, here in this chapel, a man by the name of Rick Carino will be standing and speaking. Rick Carino, from an overdose of heroin, was crammed into a metal garbage can and left for dead in an alley. He crawled out from the garbage. He finally went home and his mother encouraged him to go to a place where he heard the word of God preached. And by the power of God, he was delivered. The word of God has power to change lives. Now, there are people who will not listen. There are people who sit back snugly ensconced in their church membership and say, Jesus... I want you only at certain times, but you will not be Lord over my whole life. That is not discipleship, and that is not New Testament Christianity. That is a perverted, truncated, incomplete, unlikely thing to match up with the New Testament here. You must be willing to lose your life to find it in him and to respond to the word which God proclaims and preaches, which is deliverance to those who are willing to accept what he has offered and to allow the Holy Spirit to have his work in our lives and in our hearts. The other night, over in the CE building, we had Corrie ten Boom, this remarkable Dutch lady, who went through, I remember as a little boy selling the newspapers in my hometown when Holland was invaded by the Nazis, by the German army. I remember at the close of World War II how fascinated I was in a morbid sort of way with all of that horror that existed in those wretched death camps of Hitler's. Treblinka, Nordhausen, Dachau, Auschwitz, Ravensbrück. How could anyone ever go through that? And come out not hating every person who had had anything to do with it. And here this remarkable lady found that the power of the love of God was stronger than the darkness and the hate that Satan could put in her mind and heart. And the other evening I watched over in the CE building. We had 145 people there at prayer meeting. I was sitting on the floor up against the wall. I was looking at a little eight-year-old boy. He had long hair and his glasses on, and beside him was a tall boy, about 6'5", with long hair and glasses on. And they were both sitting there with their mouths open, (laughs) looking at this woman and listening to an 80-year-old lady tell about discipleship, And faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Why? Why is it that some people respond to the gospel and other people do not? Here were two who were taking it all in. The tall boy was a Christian. Only one week. A week ago he made a commitment of his life to the lordship of Christ. And he soaked it in hungrily the word that he was hearing. The little boy two years ago had made a decision for Christ when the same old lady was here and both of them drank it in. Now there are people who would not listen and there are people who do listen. There are people who listen because they want Christ. They want him more and more to be Lord over their life and they're willing to yield their lives to his control. And when they do, the word of God has power in that life. David Hill, the young man who was here last week, did enormous good on this campus in meeting with little groups for prayer. I know of four people who made commitments as a result of his visit on the campus. I'm sure there are some people who can't bear it, and I'm sure there are other people who respond to it. Now, what's the difference? I know people who will say, I don't have any respect for that minister. He's not sincere. I know a lot of people who come to church who are not sincere either. They really do not want the word of God, and they do not want the lordship of Christ over their life. Now, if it is incumbent upon a minister that he be sincere in his preaching of the gospel, then it is also necessary for those of us who hear it that we be sincere in our hearing of the gospel. Jesus, when he talked about the word preached, likened it to the sower sowing seed, and he used some fearsome words. He said, take heed how you hear. Look out, said Jesus, how you hear. Be careful how you hear. Because if you hear with your spiritual ears, and you learn that Jesus died on that cross for you, and that that word of God which has been preached to you in the power of the Holy Spirit is to have an effect in your life of changing it, then you're open to it and you'll take it. But if you stand back in cynical aloofness and repel it as though you've heard it all before, you've worn the pew smooth by sitting in it, but you're really not listening for God's word, then what effect can it have in you? What good can it really accomplish in you except to harden you further and to drive you further away from it? Paul here says, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto glory. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but it should stand in the power of God. Isn't it wonderful how we can respond to that word of God and it can have its power in our life? Sir, we would see Jesus. We'll see all of Jesus. See him in his suffering and dying for sin and know that sin is not a matter for laughter with you, but sin caused him to die on a cross and learn a hatred of sin. Know how urgent that it must be that we get out his message to the whole wide world. Think of the fact that today there are millions of people around this earth who know Jesus Christ because he was lifted up on that cross. I often think of the church as like the tree that Zacchaeus climbed. You remember the story of Zacchaeus? How he wanted to see Jesus? And he couldn't see him because he was too short. Well, Zacchaeus forgot all about his pride and he scampered up in a tree like any little street urchin might have done. And it must have been quite a funny sight to the people who lived around Jericho to see this prosperous businessman up in a tree, out on a limb, looking to see Jesus. But let me say this to you, when you really come to know Jesus... You know, you really don't care a whole lot what other people say. One of the greatest Christians I ever knew was a man who came to Christ at 75 years of age. 75. And I remember out at the golf course one day in the 19th hole for the uninitiated. That's where the bar is. And uh, we, we were inside and Frank said, I want a ginger ale on the rock. And one of his buddies was standing by him, and he said, Boy, you have really become a nut on religion, haven't you? And Frank said, If you think I'm a nut now, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> he said, I'm just getting started, and i got a lot of time to make up for it. Now, that's the spirit. He had given himself completely to the Lord. It doesn't take much of a man to be a Christian, but it takes all of it. It takes all of it. You cannot come to God on your terms. You can accept Jesus Christ or you can reject Jesus Christ. But you can't say to God, I'll just take this much of him and no more. But when you do give yourself to him, you see that deliverance and power that comes through him. I've been reading again this week the journey, the journal of John Wesley. John Wesley was a prim and proper Church of England man. He came to a great experience with Jesus Christ. And it had always been considered vile and unthinkable that he, the Church of England type, would go out in the streets and preach. And yet after he became the believer that he became, Wesley went out to preach in the streets to people. And he was criticized for it. Let me read you from his journal what he says. I do not think it hard to justify what I am doing. God in scripture commands me according to my power to instruct the ignorant, reform the wicked, confirm the virtuous. Man forbids me to do this in another's parish. That is, in effect, he forbids me to do it at all, seeing that I now have no parish of my own, nor probably ever shall. Whom shall I hear then, God or man? I look upon the whole world as my parish. Thus far I mean that in whatever part of the world I am, I judge it meet right in my bounden duty to declare unto all that are willing to hear the glad tidings of salvation. This is the work which I know God has called me to do, and I am sure that his blessing attends to it. He changed the whole course of history, this man John Wesley. While France was going through a revolution that left a wake of death and destruction, the simple preaching of the gospel by John Wesley and Charles Wesley and George Whitfield started a revolution in the minds and hearts of men and women when they turned to him, to Christ in saving faith and deliverance. A few days ago, one of the young men in our congregation here, in fact, two of them have within the past three months have come to me One nervous and about to break into tears. And he said, I think God is calling me to be a preacher. And that thrilled my heart. No higher calling exists than one who is a herald of the word of God which brings deliverance and salvation. Nothing could be greater The other young man came to me, he's gone away to study in a big university. He wanted to know some things he could read that would help him in being a faithful preacher of the gospel. Jesus loves that devotion which they have yielded. Not all of us are called to follow in that way, but those of us who are, those of us who are, are to respond. And what greater calling is there? and to preach that word of salvation, to lift up people that they might see Jesus, see him in his saving faith, preaching the word of God to deliver people from darkness and sin, preaching the word of God to bring comfort to their souls, preaching the word of God to open the very gates of heaven for them. I'm thankful that God has touched some hearts and maybe he's going to touch some more. These young people who have not yet been encrusted with this professionalism that so often infects the church, but who have the breath of the Holy Spirit breathing upon them in a way that has made the scriptures and the Lordship of Christ real and powerful in their lives. These can communicate the Christian gospel in a way that brings inspiration and blessing to all who hear it. Thank God for the blessing of the preached word and thank God for the deliverance which it brings to those who receive and believe it's truth. Let us stand in prayer. O God, our Heavenly Father, we rejoice that thou hast given us the glorious gospel of salvation. We thank thee that it is tidings which is meant to change lives. Forgive us that we have so frequently bottled it up and that we have not permitted the Holy Spirit to really control and work in our hearts through the word but grant that we and the response of the word extended to us in faith may respond by faith, giving ourselves to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And thereby, O God, use us so that we may be willing to die to self that Christ may live again in us, that like a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies and brings forth fruit, so may we die to self in order that Christ may live through our lives. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, our Keeper and Guide, be and abide with you all now and forevermore.